Luke chapter 19, beginning with verse uh, 11. The story comes right after uh, Jesus' interaction with Zacchaeus. Uh, and then Jesus goes on to tell this parable. Luke 19, beginning in verse 11, hear the word of God. As they heard these things, he proceeded to tell a parable because he was near to Jerusalem and because they supposed that the kingdom of God was to appear immediately. He said, therefore, a nobleman went up, went into a far country to receive for himself a kingdom and then return. Calling ten of his servants, he gave them ten minas and said to them, Engage in business until I come. But his citizens hated him and sent a delegation after him, saying, We do not want this man to reign over us. When he returned, having received the kingdom, he ordered these servants to whom he had given the money to be called to him. That he might know what they had done, what they had gained by doing business. The first came before him saying, Lord, your mina has made ten minas more. And he said to him, Well done, good servant. Because you have been faithful in very little, you shall have authority over ten cities. And the second came saying, Lord, your mina has made five minas. And he said to him, And you are to be over five cities. Then another comes, saying, Lord, here is your mina, which I kept laid away in a handkerchief. For I was afraid of you, because you are a severe man. You take what you, do not, what you did not deposit and reap what you did not sow. He said to him, I will condemn you with your own words, you wicked servant. You knew that I was a severe man, taking what I did not deposit and reaping what I did not sow. Why then did you not put my money in the bank, and at my coming I might have collected it with interest? And he said to those who stood by, Take the mina from him and give it to the one who has ten minas. They said to him, Lord, he has ten minas. I tell you, I, I tell you that to everyone who has, more will be given. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. For as for these enemies of mine who did not want me to reign over them, Bring them here and slaughter them before me. And when he had said these things, he went on ahead, going up to Jerusalem. Grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of the Lord endures forever. Jesus tells this story for a particular reason. Uh, Luke makes it, tries to make it very clear for us in verse 11. Uh, Jesus tells this story because he was near to Jerusalem and uh, because they supposed that the kingdom of God was to appear immediately. In other words, Jesus told them this story about living within a delayed response. You know what it's like to uh, experience a delayed uh, response? Left waiting and it makes everything just kind of uncertain for a while what are you going to hear back which direction maybe will it go but because in the middle of that delay you often still have to do something even if it's just wait uh, it also kind of brings out what our real commitments are in the middle of that delay uh, maybe you can think back to it in terms of uh, uh, when you're filling out college applications and sending those in 
And you start to wonder, what's the, what's the turnaround on those things? You're checking the mail. Is, the, is it the, the small letter or the thicker letter? When are you going to find out uh, what, you, what you hear back from the admissions? And you have to wait. Or maybe that's uh, applying for, for grad school. Or maybe it was applying for college. And you're, uh, you're waiting to hear back. And you're having to decide, well, do I keep applying to other places? Uh, do I go ahead and accept one of these things because I haven't heard back from, from this school? You, you, we're in the delayed response, and sometimes we're still making decisions within it. Uh, maybe think about that in terms of a job interview. You know, if you get the chance to get a job interview and you go in and you speak to them and they always tell you at the inter interview, shake your hands, really great, appreciate you coming in, we're glad to meet you, uh, you'll hear back from us probably sometime by the end of next week. Right? They always tell you that, and you always know, yeah, not, not going to happen. Uh, and maybe three weeks from then, after you've sent them the follow-up email and the follow-up call, then you'll hear back that it'll actually just be the next week after that. Uh, but during that time, when you're waiting for them to get back from the interview, you're wondering, how did it go? How did I do? I felt like I impressed them, but I don't know who else they were interviewing. I really think I'm going to get this job. And maybe you're making plans for how that's going to work out. You're calculating your new budget. Uh, maybe you're going... Uh, I haven't heard back from them. I don't know what's going to happen. Uh, maybe my budget's not going to hold through. Maybe you're applying for other jobs. Uh, maybe you get some other offers, but you're hoping that you would hear back to that one. Uh, we're familiar with this uh, delayed response. Um, maybe you can even think about it more commonly, uh, daily experience, uh, at least if you're texting with me, uh, the text message delay. <laughs> Right, when you've sent someone, maybe you're even just texting back and forth with a friend uh, during the day. You say something, they say something back, and then you ask them a question, and then they, they don't get back to you. Um, and you wait, and it's been like two minutes, and they still haven't responded. Uh, it's been like two hours, and they haven't responded, uh, and you're, you're wondering, wondering what's going on, right? All of a sudden, we start asking the question, what does it mean? Why, why the delay? Are they, are they offended? You just scrolling back through. Is there something I said that really like uh, bothered this person? Uh, that I confuse them with something? Depending on your relationship with a particular person that you're texting, you're like, are they upset with me? Do they not like me? They don't want to talk with me anymore? Something else come up that they value more than talking to me? And you have to make that decision? Do you just, do you just let it sit? Or do you like send 50 more text messages in the next five minutes just to make sure everything everything's all right? Um, maybe sometimes you've asked that question, you haven't heard back, and you just going to wait, or maybe you have that as an excuse to just go ahead and do whatever it was that you were wanting to do yourself. Hey, I know we'd planned to study, but do you think it's all right? You know, do you mind if I just go watch some, a movie with some friends? Well, I didn't hear back, so I went ahead and made these, made these commitments, right? Um, delay is there, and we're, we're used to it. We deal with it. Um, but it, it can be difficult sometimes. Then maybe later you just you actually do get the response. It kind of clarifies things. You're like, oh, their phone died. Right. Okay, they're charging it. It's all, it's all okay. Um, but, but within that delay, um, it, it can be unsettling. Uh, things, are, things are less certain, but we still have to act and make decisions. All right, but what if your life, uh, your whole life was within a delayed response? Because right, before texting, all people had, uh, for a little while at least, was, uh, was email was the fastest thing. And so you send a message, but then you're wondering, like, wonder how often they get on their computer. Maybe next time that they're on their computer and check their email um, in a day or so, maybe, maybe I'll hear back. And you're just left waiting. Uh, before email, I know we can go way back uh, you know, to the, 
semi-written. Uh, you go for the telegraph, right? You're kind of tapping it in, tapping it in. Um, that, was, that was like Twitter of the old days, you know? Uh, you try to have very small characters but still say something with, you know, pack in a lot of meaning. Uh, gets over there pretty fast. Um, I don't just go for the witticisms, and I don't know that they had hashtags back then. But still, back in the Telegraph, you send it over, and some guy on the other end is taking down your dots and dashes into a message, and then they have to go find the person that it was supposed to be delivered to, track them down wherever they were in the city or the county, get a message from them, come back, and maybe you're waiting a week or more uh, for it. Um, but that was an improvement at the time over just uh, the, you know, the Pony Express. <laughs> you're, you're sending out a letter out west, and how fast can those guys uh, ride, and where's it, where's it going to get there? Um, the postal uh, service, the snail mail, um, the old days, waiting for it to, to get there. So you may have sent a letter uh, to someone deeply, deeply valuable to you. You may be waiting a month or more to hear back from them. To hear back if they're coming out to meet you, if, if you are going to meet in a particular location, if there's a change of plans or what have you. Um, and maybe before that, even just like sending messengers to other places. Like Paul talks about like waiting for Timothy in a certain city and, and, and there's you know, these just times that, that elapse that they're used to of just the delay between responses. Jesus is going to Jerusalem. And he tells them this parable. Uh, and as he ends this parable, he gets up and goes uh, to Jerusalem. And he wanted them to understand that as he went to Jerusalem, things weren't going to happen the way that they were expecting. There was going to be a delay between the fulfillment of a lot of their longings. And he told this parable for us uh, to know how to live within that delay. The next verses in this chapter are when Jesus enters into uh, Jerusalem. Uh, enters into Jerusalem riding on the colt, and the crowds are gathering all around, laying down the palm branches, crying out, uh, Hosanna, saying, Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord, peace in heaven and glory in highest. Because here they see, uh, here maybe is the new uh, king, the Messiah who is coming uh, uh, for our rescue. Here, uh, here he is, and they're expecting the fullness of Jesus' reign as he enters into Jerusalem. We know something very different was coming. Uh, he wasn't coming uh, to Jerusalem to conquer the Romans and set up a new uh, age and a new stage <clears throat> of earthly power. He was coming to be crucified. Uh, he was coming to be condemned uh, for broken sinners, for his people, uh, uh, for rebels like us, that we might be drawn into his kingdom, the fullness of which uh, was still to come. And so though now he's uh, raised and ascended and how uh, scripture describes him as reigning now at the right hand of God, we're still waiting for his return. We're still waiting for what they were longing for at the end of this chapter. Uh, when he's with Zacchaeus, he says, today salvation has come to this house uh, because Zacchaeus has gotten there's a difference in belonging to Jesus and how I live with it. But, but the full rescue that they were hoping for was still to wait uh, until still we're waiting for Jesus' return, making all things right, all things new. So, so for everyone now, Christian, non-Christian, whatever different uh, beliefs, for everyone now, uh, living is, is living in, in, in Christ's kingdom is a living within a delayed response. There was an expectation that would come earlier, uh, but still waiting between the first and second coming. It's like living within the lull in a text message conversation. 
Uh, it's like waiting for the actual letter to come on the mailbox. And Jesus' parable here uh, describes for us three basic responses during the delay. Uh, we'll go on to look at uh, each one of those in turn. Uh, essentially, it's kind of like the old uh, you know, middle school note that you pass. Uh, hey, do you like me? And you've got three responses, right? Three boxes. Check one of them. Uh, yes, maybe, or no. Um, that's the three responses we have here. Yes, uh, maybe, and, and no. Positive commitments. I'll talk about the first one. Uh, the response of the other servant, third servant, uh, as neutral or supposedly neutral. A third response of his enemies as a negative uh, refusal. But Jesus tells us a story. He wants you to hear the story. He wants you to hear in the story a connection for how you live and how you live within uh, his kingdom. Every point in it isn't, isn't an allegory of draw this connection, but he says there's something in this story that speaks to how we live and how we respond to who Christ is, who went to Jerusalem, whose kingdom didn't appear uh, immediately in its fullness. He tells us of a certain man, a man apparently of uh, royal uh, descent and lineage who has a claim to kingship. And so off he goes, something that would make sense in the Roman uh, Empire. If, you're, uh, if you were, had a claim to be king over a particular area, you'd still have to go to the emperor to be approved as the person that, uh, that reigns over that area. And so, so he departs. All the servants to him and gives each of them a lump sum of money, uh, these, uh, a mina each, a uh, healthy, healthy sum of money. And he says, gives them instructions. Go turn a profit. Engage, engage in business. Turn a profit with this. Uh, make what you can out of it until I get back. But it says this man who has had the right to kingship in this area, there were some uh, in that area who didn't want him to be king. Didn't want him to be their king. Refused him. And so they sent, gathered together some of them to go also to the emperor uh, in protest. Hoping that he would be refused. And after a delay, the man, <coughs> the man returns. But he returns now as king. And he calls uh, his servants to him. And in these first servants that we hear, we hear the uh, example of positive commitment, of positive commitment and allegiance for him that's lived out, has been lived out during that delay. Right? The first uh, is commended by him. Well done. Uh, well done, a uh, good servant, you see. And similarly, the second, they had, they had risked and, and invested the single mean out at, at really an incredible rate of return. Um, they didn't just get like 10% on their money, and it increased. Uh, they didn't just double their money. Uh, they multiplied it by 10 for the first one, and for the second, uh, five times. They'd been uh, diligent in his absence, working uh, for him, following uh, his instructions. They'd proved their loyalty and their faithfulness. And as he returns, they're rewarded. They're rewarded with a, with a share in his kingdom. Uh, he's ruler over the whole uh, area, and they're given, the first is given ten cities that he's in charge of. Uh, because he was faithful and little, uh, he's given, uh, given more to share in. The, the other given five cities over which uh, to rule. <coughs> it's impressive. And during the delay, 
might not have been sure. Might not have been sure when he was coming back, if he was coming back, if he was coming back as king, or if this other delegation that had gone had appealed to the emperor and he'd been denied. Uh, but now, after the delay, uh, they're proved, they're rewarded. So, so in the delay between Christ's first and second coming, uh, which is where this passage speaks to us, uh, how will Jesus' followers respond? Uh, we're, we're called to a positive commitment um, that, that expresses faith. That the faith is, um, is seen uh, in, in allegiance, seen in loyalty. Who we live for? Uh, whose agenda are we following? Whose instructions are, are we following? Uh, Christians should be taking Jesus' commands uh, to hear and to live out their lives according to it. That's what the positive commitment uh, looks like. And maybe it's a little bit more difficult than, um, than I often like to think. Because really, a delayed response makes a big deal. Driving down the highway, the sign says 65. Okay, you're going 70. That's fine. Passing cop cars, no one worried. People, other people have been going past you. You're going 75. Like, ah, oh, that's still. You got your, you got your five to ten over, right? You're, you're doing all right. Uh, and the longer you go, the more you're like, okay, this is fine. You, you push it a little bit further. You're trying to get there. You're going 80. You're going 85. And the longer you go down the highway, the more comfortable you get. So there's a delayed response. Oh, it's out there. Surely this is fine. Um, unless the blue light starts shining and the, and the heart starts, uh, starts pumping. You're like, no, what happened? Um, uh, you know, in Tallahassee, they've started, they put the, um, the, the lights at the cameras more and more over the last few years. I hate the lights at the cameras. Uh, Tallahassee had one of the reputations and still somewhat of being, I mean, if you ever saw part of the, even the yellow, you just kind of keep going. Um, and everyone just got used to that, and there was a delay, and there was no, uh, no punishment for it, so it was great. And now you throw in this camera, and wait, what's going on? Uh, during the delay, it's, it's, it's difficult. Um, but we're called to a real allegiance and commitment now. We're in the middle of the waiting, uh, not seeing the perfect uh, fulfillment of Christ's kingdom now, but experiencing the pain the difficulty, the hardship of being called to take up our cross, to share with Christ in suffering. And it's especially difficult when what we're called to do by Christ is we're called to risk. I'm going to highlight just one thing about the, uh, the servant's uh, behavior, this positive commitment. Uh, it's, it's risking. But this is it, it precisely according to the man's commands uh, to his servant, was to, to do business, turn a profit, take a risk, put the, invest these things, and see what comes uh, from it. Um, what the results will be. It's, it's one thing to you know, just keep going about the norm or maybe push things a little bit, but to be called during the delay to put it all out there before you see the, the return, before you know. I mean... It's a lot easier for me to just sit and analyze or, or worry uh, for what, what can happen. Jesus calls us to risk. Uh, but part of the beauty of what Christ calls us to is that in his kingdom we can have confidence for success. That Christ actually equips his people to accomplish the very things that he's calling them uh, to. It's not that we're just throwing ourselves out there with no hope of what might uh, come. Uh, but Jesus is reigning now. He's at work now. He's accomplishing his plan uh, through us. From our perspective, though, we can't see how it'll go. 
Are we willing, are we willing to risk? Are we willing to risk just talking to a friend about Jesus? Um, I used to worry on campus about actually carrying my Bible around. Now you just have it on your phone. Uh, I was vain enough. I worried about what people thought of me because I was like carrying this big hunky thing in a, in a case, you know, and everyone knows, ah, it's a Bible there. Uh, but the people just look at you a little bit different, that you're known uh, with them. Um, uh, taking the risk to actually love a neighbor that you don't know, that you would have to get to know, who maybe doesn't like you, uh, but what it would be like to reach out there, to be the risk to be reconciled with a friend who's, who's hurt you or hurt you deeply, uh, but to rest in the reconciliation the gospel brings. Or, or beautiful pictures beyond that uh, of missionaries or people planting churches and just going in to say, I don't want to just stand in this comfort zone. I want to see what God might do, and I'm willing to step out there and see what, what comes of it following Christ's command. Or even just regular people uh, willing to pour themselves out in service and sacrifice for others, not just living for the moment and their pleasure and what they can get. Because they're not living for now. They know they're in the middle of a delay, and they're waiting uh, for the return. There's a great story about um, uh, this a couple uh, in South America um, in the 18, 18th uh, century, the 1700s. Uh, I'm not sure if I say it right. John, Go, uh, John Godin and his wife, uh, Isabel. I read the story a while back, but it came to mind as I was thinking about this, this living in a delay because they were uh, in South America, I believe it was in Peru, um, a French uh, couple, and he heard that there was an inheritance uh, that, that he was responsible for, and he decided after a while, although they'd only been married, I think, a, a little while, uh, that he was going to leave and go back to Europe and then would return. Um, his, he left, and it was 20 years uh, before they ever saw one another again. A uh, few things of communication, long, long delays of hearing no word. Uh, Isabel not knowing if her husband was still alive, uh, hearing rumors that maybe there was a ship waiting uh, that, that could take her uh, to the other, to the mouth of the Amazon, wherever that he might be, um, him not knowing if his family had survived, um, her going through this long trek where everyone else uh, along with her dies, but she finds her way to the boat. And though he had left in 1749, in 1770, uh, they're reunited. Um, during the middle of that whole delay, their longing and their commitment hadn't stopped. But they continued uh, waiting for the return. Uh, we're called to be hopeful and expectant of that the king is coming back, uh, risking and living according to his commands. Story goes on. There's ten servants. Um, we hear about the first two, then we hear about uh, another servant. Different uh, response, kind of an odd response. We'll, we'll call him the, the maybe, uh, the, the neutral as it comes out in the story, the supposedly uh, neutral. And he, uh, as his master calls him, he comes and says, uh, Lord, um, here is your mina, which you had given to me. And I've kept it safe and secure and a handkerchief. Uh, and here I am delivering it back to you. And he has responded uh, by, the, by the master, by the king, you wicked servant. You wicked servant. 
Uh, it's kind of an odd response. He seems very critical of the king's uh, character. He says, I didn't do anything with it because I knew that you were a severe man. I wanted to make sure I returned it to you without any loss because you're really kind of an unfair guy. You take what you didn't deposit. Uh, you reap what you didn't, uh, what you didn't plant. Um, but <clears throat> this neutrality, uh, as it's feigned, the man calls out uh, as just supposedly neutral. That he, he'd just done nothing. Uh, but that doing nothing showed uh, his allegiance. Jesus in Luke uh, eleven twenty three 23 says, uh, whoever is not with me is against me. It says here in the story, the servants are condemned by his own words. He knew that he would, that this was a, that his king that he was supposed to live under and follow his commands was someone who uh, wanted to get more than he had given. And he didn't even put it in the bank uh, to get it back with interest. Uh, his neutral uh, inaction wasn't okay because um, he lived inconsistently with the character and the commands of the king that he was supposed to be loyal to. Um, he's supposedly uh, neutral uh, because he refrains. And to me, oh, I mean, I connect here plenty. It's just so much easier when you don't know, when you haven't heard back, when it's not absolutely positive yet to just, just wait. <coughs> Just hold on to it. I haven't seen everything yet. Maybe there's more, but maybe, uh, maybe we should still be careful uh, at this moment. Um, all he did was nothing. He abstained. Uh, he refrained. But that means he never acted in allegiance or in loyalty uh, to the character uh, of the king. Um, uh, we're, we're, we're told, like this man was, what action to take. Just take all of Jesus' uh, commands, uh, but the command to love God and to love our neighbor, uh, to go speak and to live according to his grace, the grace of forgiveness, uh, his glory. Uh, but this man doesn't take that command. Uh, and so often we're glad to hear about it, uh, be part of it, think these things matter, maybe want to hear more about it. But so much difficult to live it out, to bank on it to give our lives entirely to it, uh, abandoning the present moment and what we might gain for ourselves uh, in order that we risk and follow uh, uh, the commands of our king. Um, tried to think of an office episode, but I just couldn't get there of like the, uh, just the, the worst employee, whichever one maybe that, maybe that is. Um, but the worst employee has got to be someone who just never actually does anything. That they're constantly giving them some tasks to do, and they constantly, you know, it's one thing if you're going through training, you're setting them up, here's the different things uh, to do. But then if they never actually accomplish it, anytime you give them something, they always come back and be like, yeah, I started to work on that, but what should I do with this again? Go back, and, and then five minutes later, like, oh, great, I started to go on that, but I just, I just wasn't sure, and so I didn't ever send that uh, important message that you said. I just had this other question. <laughs> it just keeps going and keeps going. Uh, is, is, is just getting the way. They're not really there doing uh, their work. It's not an uncommon response to us, though, uh, to just want to hesitate some of what Christ called us. So I just need to, need to understand that a little bit further. It's, it's good if you're, if you're trying to understand who Jesus is more, if you're trying to understand what he says in his word and what his kingdom uh, is. Uh, I don't want to encourage you to just pretend when you don't. It's okay to say, I don't, I don't believe these things. I don't know that I believe these things. I don't understand them or why they matter. Uh, but to not just pretend that we're Jesus' follower because we're going along with things. Because we're holding on to uh, what we've been given if we're not living it out. 
uh, a lot of times people just within have grown up within a Christian environment and don't want to uh, mess anything up and just kind of unwilling to, to, to risk, to live out according to it. Uh, sometimes there's people that are saying, hey, you know, I'm just, I'm interested in this, I want to hear more about this, uh, but I really just want to stay neutral in these things. Um, I think we want to be careful just not to be lying to ourselves about that. The, the, the Jesus makes it clear, uh, as he, uh, the king makes it clear as he comes back, if you haven't lived that out for me, you weren't for me. It, it showed your faith, it showed your loyalty and your allegiance in what you do. Calls this man who just did nothing, uh, the wicked, the wicked servant. Um, uh, even what little he has is taken away. And then the returning king um, deals with the last response. Deals with it much more uh, briefly. Uh, response maybe of, of swift judge, justice. Uh, we see this negative uh, refusal. Uh, the yes, the maybe, here's the no. The positive commitment, the, uh, the supposedly uh, neutral, but here's the negative refusal. Uh, they had gone, they'd sent this, em- uh, this embassy to the emperor to say, we don't want this person to be king over us. And they had, they had planned and plotted against him, and now uh, he returns. Um, and they are the ones he calls uh, enemies and says, bring out, uh, as for these enemies of mine, bring them out that they may be slaughtered uh, before me. And we are like, what? Um, and then the parable just stops there, and Jesus goes to Jerusalem. Like, whew, um, okay. These are those who didn't want the king to, get, to rule over them, and in a certain way, they, they get their wish. But it points to the dangers of having opposed the king, whether they liked him or not. They stand under his power. It's not saying that, that Jesus is exactly uh, like this, um, that Jesus is fickle, or that he's too harsh. Um, but there's a real sense where Psalm 2 talks, like mocks the opposition to Christ, uh, mocks the opposition to the Lord's anointed, uh, and calls and says, kiss the son lest he be angry. Uh, here's the one who rules over, over all things. I don't know if you followed particularly closely or just hear the general news of FSU has a new president. Uh, John Thrasher, the new president for FSU uh, now, but all along the way, there's been lots of protest. Uh, protest the way that it was about, protesting again uh, from things, and even now uh, still, uh, still protests uh, that come along with it. And, I think John Thrasher will be a great uh, leader for the university. He seems to be a nice guy. I don't think he's going to slaughter anybody. <laughs> um, but if you're, if you're one of those professors, one of those people in, in the part of uh, continuing to protest and protest and protest him not becoming um, the president, then you, you probably aren't going to be first in line to be asking for a favor. Um, and here it's bringing out that point of the allegiances uh, and where we, where we come. Uh, maybe you hear that slaughtered, uh, slaughter them before me and just react too much, and that's understandable. Sometimes scripture is clear about, uh, about the final judgment. It doesn't mince any words for us that when Jesus returns, all things will be made right, including getting rid of all that's wrong. In the meanwhile, in the delay... Don't lose sight of the fact of the way that God treats his enemies. Uh, the way that God's shown grace uh, and love and mercy to his enemies. That he sent his own son uh, to rescue his enemies. That it was while we were still enemies that Christ uh, died for us. That Jesus suffered the judgment, the rejection, the condemnation that we deserve. That, 
that he was slaughtered in our place. Uh, because we would be the enemies of God apart from him, him standing in for us. And that his followers then get to join into his kingdom and serve him. Those who were enemies are brought over uh, to him by his love, by his grace, by him being slaughtered as a sacrifice. Maybe you would just look through history. One of the clearest and strongest examples of uh, enemies uh, to the gospel um, is one that Christ loved. Uh, is, is Saul who met Christ on the road to Damascus uh, and then wrote many of the books of the New Testament, but who, who, had, who seemed to be the most likely opportunity to perhaps squelch uh, Christianity, to squelch the gospel in its, in its earliest and its weakest point. It was in a hard uh, pursuit to squelch it out. And Christ spoke to his enemy and called him to himself. Paul went on to risk everything uh, for Christ's kingdom. We need to continue in a negative refusal, pretending that the delay is just going to go on uh, forever. But Christ has come for rebels. He invites us to himself, into his family, and into his kingdom. But still a day will come when the delay's over and the judgment's final. What's it like for you to live within a delayed response? Not just when you're waiting for the text message uh, or waiting for the mail, um, but living within Christ's first and second coming. Um, how, how does it bring out your actual commitments? Of what you risk, of what you do, of what you live for, of what you wait on to do, of what you refuse and turn down. Right, but sometimes it's just frustrating that the other person hasn't, just, hasn't responded. Why didn't you charge your phone? I was worrying this whole time. You could have at least you know, sent something back once you, once you plugged it in. Um, but Jesus tells us about the delay before it comes. He's concerned before he rides into Jerusalem with people going, Hosanna, Hosanna, here is our king coming in. He's already said, this is what's coming. It's not going to appear immediately. Um, there's going to be a delay it's going to be like the story. And life's going to be like living within it, waiting for that return. And you see your commitments from what you do. He, he teaches us that we live within the story. How do you see yourself represented in these characters? How does it challenge you and motivate you and encourage you uh, with Christ uh, coming? Uh, maybe the delay uh, seems long, like a thousand years ago. Uh, and yet Romans says to us that uh, we look at, uh, we often look at God's uh, delay uh, wrongly, that it speaks of it as patience, as God's uh, kindness, uh, showing mercy, giving us even more time uh, to turn as enemies uh, and look to him for life. But there's more that he longs to bring into his kingdom. And so he delays until he will bring it to its fullest and most beautiful form. But we're living within that delay waiting for his return uh, in the fall of my senior year um, actually on the roof of the old psychology building on campus down from Westcott I proposed to Karen I asked her to marry me and what I got was a delayed response uh, Five days before I heard anything else or as an answer to that question, I had to just wait 
in that five days for her response. Now, to give her a little bit credit, because she's not here uh, to, to defend herself, um, I, I mean, I didn't like ask her to marry me at the basketball game, and you're on the screen. Will you marry me? You know now. Um, even more to her credit, I didn't have a ring at the time that I proposed. Um, it wasn't why she was waiting, but I, but I even said to her as I proposed, I said, well, I'm more sure of this than anything else that I've been in my life, but I want you to be that sure. Um, and so I wanted her to wait until she was. I didn't know that that would be five days uh, later. Um, but during that five days, I wasn't going through, um, you know, list of old girlfriends and what are they doing now on Facebook. Um, I wasn't wondering who, who else is out there who maybe would, be, would, be, would reply to me uh, earlier. Um, I was shopping for a ring. I was figuring out timelines and excited for it and planning for it, uh, looking forward to what was coming. Uh, Christ's word, even the call of, of the gospel, is not a lot different than a marriage proposal. Uh, Christ gave himself up. He died just for his bride the church, to call her to himself, uh, to wash her and beautify her. Um, How do we respond as we wait for the delay? As we have his promise, uh, his, his promise that he will return and make all things right and take us into the fullness of his love, but as we also have his instructions for how we live for him now. How do we respond as we live within the delay? waiting expectantly for Christ's coming.